Parenting is hard, but there's help. Welcome to Everyday Parenting with Mary Beth Henry, a licensed marriage and family therapist and parent educator. Everyday Parenting utilizes face-to-face unscripted interviews with real parents, but names have been changed to protect their identities. If you have a business and would like to reach directly into the ears of our listeners, please contact us at parentingpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome both of you and thank you for being here. But uh, today we're, I, we're going to talk to Julie and uh, Julie um, is a mother of three and uh, she has um, been in discussion uh, um, since last summer uh, about some, um, some wonderful things about her children and some also some challenging things that have come up. And so Julie, could you give us a little history of what you have experienced? Um, number one, I think with all three, but also really focusing on Drew, your eldest. Mm-hmm. And, um, so past and current behaviors, and um, and then we'll go from there. We do have a special guest today, Dr. Jennifer Lee Dick, and uh, she is a colleague of mine and someone I use with referrals within my community. And I'm very honored and pleased that she is with us today. So she also will be giving her insight to this episode also. So welcome, Julie, and welcome, Dr. Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, Julie, could you please just give us a little little insight? What's going on? So my oldest, Drew, is um, he's nine years old now. And uh, he's always been a very, very um, strong personality. And since the moment he was born, I knew I could tell. Um, (laughs) And he... um, has very strong reactions to things. He is, um, he's very excited and happy, um, but he also gets very, very upset about things when um, they don't go how he expects. And um, so I could tell, you know, those things about him from the very beginning. Um, but when he was about five, he was in preschool at the time, I think. And he, um, we decided to have some testing done um, through our doctor. And so we did, um, all the testing for, you know, ADD, autism, all those kind of things. And he was not diagnosed with anything at that time. Um, and then they had us see the occupational therapist, which was helpful. Um, but he was never said to have any kind of, um, major sensory, um, things to diagnose or to, to do. And then, um, and then we did the behavioral therapy, um, through the, through the doctor too, um, which was a little bit helpful, but, um, I felt like it was a lot of the same kind of parenting advice that I had read other places too. And, um, you know, it helped us kind of get through some things and, um, I feel like I'm always learning and, um, but anyway, so we just moved across, the country um, this past summer, we he was at a small um, private school, and my husband is the pastor, and um, you know we had a very small community there, and only about eight kids in his class, in his second grade class. So I knew it was going to be an adjustment for him because now he's in a public school with much larger class and um, just transitioning. So. I knew that it would be a struggle to transition. Um, and I, I'm sure that a lot of what we're um, going through is just, you know, it just, nobody really can transition easily 
or quickly when you move and especially for, for him. Um, and so he's been doing okay in school, uh, but just really at times complaining a lot about school, like, Oh, I just, I hate math. And, um, they make, it's too easy and they make you do you like, they make you do too much work. Um, He's just been complaining a lot about it. So that's kind of worried me because he's always kind of liked school before that. Um, he's very social. And so, um, but we just had parent-teacher conferences this past week. And to me, I heard some some red flags um, from, my, from the teachers, um, you know, about he has very strong reactions. And one of the phrases that his teacher used was, I just don't see that in other kids. And so that kind of, put up my, um, (laughs) kind of, well, and then I said something like, well, maybe we should have, maybe we should talk to the pediatrician about, about it. And she kind of said, well, since you're bringing that up, I would encourage that. But you could tell she was hesitant to tell me, oh, you should go get more testing done or anything like that. But, um, I guess maybe they can't do that. Um, and then I met with his, um, enrichment teacher And she was a little bit more straightforward about this is, you know, you might want to explore this a little bit more. And she pointed out um, his um, being distracted easily, which his his teacher also said, and um, the strong reactions. And then the enrichment teacher also mentioned um, he seems to get anxious when and overwhelmed when there's too much to do or he feels like there's pressure to get something done. Um, and that's the part that she was really most concerned about. She said, you know, you don't want to um, not address if a child is feeling anxious. So, um, yeah. And, oh, and his regular teacher also mentioned his kind of obsession over certain things. Like um, he, she said, you know, from the way he talks, I would think that your family only played video games all the time. And I just know that's not true. And <laughs> I said, yeah, I know. And that's just, that's all he talks about, especially with her for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And then, so the enrichment teacher was going to, was looking into it and she got back to me the other day about the next steps um, of on the school end, what they would do. Um, do you yeah. want me to tell you what they told me yet? Or do you want to? Y- yes and no. I, I, what I'm, what I'm really looking at here is, um, I also kind of want to know. So that's that's kind of the school picture that we have right now, right? What what the school is talking about. Mm-hmm. Before we go on to the next step of what the school wants, can you give a little insight to what you're seeing at home? You're seeing the complaints about school that it's really easy, um, it, it's boring, um, uh, really repetitious, right? Mm-hmm. Any any other behaviors at school that you're seeing? Are you seeing him? isolating himself a little bit more? Are you seeing him withdrawing? Because I know he loves to read and I know he loves to um, kind of go into his books and, and has that continued on in, which is a positive to an extent, right? Um, yeah. Anything else at home that you've seen? Yeah. He, he does still really love to read, um, but he, he's always social. Like he, I don't see him just want to go into his room and be by himself. He, if there are people around, he wants to be near them and talking to them. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes that can be, um, a little stressful for his sister who it's just default. They're going to be playing together (laughs) if they're in the same room. And Mm -hmm. sometimes they have a lot of fun and sometimes he can just, I mean, I'm not saying it's always his fault, but, um, sometimes like normal siblings, they can also 
really stress each other out. So, um, but no, I'm not really seeing him uh, isolate himself. Okay. Okay. And any other behaviors at home that would concern you? Anything else? Sleeping, eating, anything that's changed in that, in that transition time and his well, the time he, that you've moved? Um, I think it's just still the same behaviors I've always seen in him. Um, still really strong reactions sometimes where <clears throat> it just seems so extreme for what the problem actually is. And how about relations? He's had to make a lot of new friends, a mm-hmm. lot of new acquaintances. Um, he has a siblings for sure to be, you know, to have that social piece. You have your church family. Um, is he able to connect and with people right now? Is he doing okay with that? He is. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think he deals with conflict, but he, um, he is so social and he has a few really good friends at school, which I'm very happy about. Um, but he still will come home from school and say, Oh, I, um, we were playing tag, but I can't run well in my snow clothes. And so <laughs> I just didn't play. I just sat and then nobody noticed that I just sat there and didn't, you know, so I, he definitely has complaints about his social interactions, but he does have a few friends that, um, are consistently his friends. He definitely, um, has friends. So that's good. Okay. Um, but back when he was four or five, um, I remember when you had first reached out and asked me a few questions, uh, then, you know, your concern back then was his big, his big reaction to, to noise and to, to, uh, things around him that were very overwhelming. Um, has, has that, has he maturated to the point where, where that has that, that sensory piece for him has, um, I mean, you went to OT, you went to behavioral therapy. Um, has that significantly diminished over the time that he's uh, in the last you know, four years? I think he's still sensitive to sound and he's very loud. Uh, he I is, don't know yeah, if, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if that's because he's trying to control the sound in his in- environment or what, but he, and that was actually one of the specific questions I was going to ask you guys in addition to the um, uh, process of testing and all that is one of the things he's been doing lately is he, if we listen to music on the way to school, he wants his song that, that he's, he wants to listen to be the last thing that we listen to so that that's what's in his head when he Mm -hmm. goes to school. Mm -hmm. And then even sometimes when we're at home and my daughter will, uh, be singing a song, he'll go, no, don't sing that. I don't want that one in my head. I have a different song. in my. I don't want that song in my head. And so I think he has very strong uh, pitch memory or some kind of sound memory where it really gets into his head and it sure. really bothers sure. him to not be able to control what's sure. what he's hearing. <laughs> and, and, and what stays in there. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, that, that's that rumination piece. That's that piece, that anxiety piece. He wants to control it down to, I want to make sure I know exactly what's in my brain and what's there and what's going to stay there. Cause he knows it's going to stay. Yeah. And, and really that's that does. piece you're talking about when he's talking about the video games with his teachers, he gets very stuck and ruminates on things and stays on things um, mm-hmm. that he feels um, that he has absolute control over. And right. yeah. And I would say that that's the same for visual and audio because when he watches a show, he is very in that show and he remembers 
from years ago watching a show and he'll say, oh, and this happened and then it looked like this and he will describe it to the detail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, he's got some amazing gifts, right? Mm -hmm. He's got some amazing talent um, and abilities, um, but trying to fit him into society right now into his peer group, um, into into his learning environment um, uh, is something that, you know, I think that's what you've reached out for at this point. Um, this is why I brought Dr. Jennifer in because this is her specialty. Because I, I, I gather the information. I work with the, the parenting pieces at home, um, but she is the one that I send would send you to <laughs> if you were living here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, Dr. Jennifer, anything before we go into the next piece with her about what the school? Anything else you would like to include in this? Yes. <clears throat> one thing that is coming to my mind is his motor planning. And is he able to do things like ride a bike or scooter where there's, you know, using your left brain, right brain, and as well as some of those movements mm-hmm. from bilateral. And, and, and Dr. John, just so you know, he w- does wear glasses. Um, so that is something that I always take into consideration too, is the visual development. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, Julie, Julie, can you tell us a little bit about his vision, his current vision, mm-hmm. um, and w- how that was diagnosed and what age that was diagnosed? Because that depth perception piece is a is a big one that Dr. Jennifer is also mentioning, but that brain and that visual perception and processing is a very big piece here. Mm-hmm. I think it was in the next year after we had all that testing done. So I think he was about six um, when we noticed his eyes crossing. And he was, uh, we took him to the ophthalmologist and he has accommodative esotropia or esotropia, mm-hmm. um, where his eyes cross because of his farsightedness. So in order to see more clearly, um, and so he wears glasses, um, to help with his farsightedness. So, and so that his eyes will be aligned. And it was a year ago, January that he had a surgery for strabismus. Okay. Um, because it became more of a muscular thing. And um, so he had the surgery and now he wears his glasses and um, the surgery went really well. Um, and now we're, we're kind of hoping to be able to reduce um, the prescription of his glasses a li- little by little. And hopefully, um, I don't know if he'll ever completely grow out of them, but okay. it is a possibility. Um, so um he has that, but as far as the motor, um, motor things, he loves riding his bike and I'm actually amazed at how well he can ride a bike and he's not as much into, he's good at hand to eye coordination. Um, he doesn't really, hasn't loved doing, um, team sports or things like that. And I think it's more because of the competition makes him he gets very very competitive and so i think that can create anxiety for him so right now he's not doing currently doing any team sports but um we did some cross-country skiing and he enjoyed that um he really likes doing um outdoor activities great and it's and Mm -hmm. and it's a good reminder is for all parents to remember that not all children are into team sports and individual sports (laughs) are really good too so mm-hmm. just I'm putting that out there to every parent. Um, Which is but, hard for me because I loved playing team sports yes. when I was a kid. And so <laughs> yeah, that's that's the parent's perspective. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> we have what we want and our children are our children, right? And that's what we have to remember. <laughs> but it, it doesn't mean we're going to count it out. But it's it's something to remember about. Not all children are into team, team, team things. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, um, and another 
Another question that I, I have is um, when his sibling or when a friend is feeling upset, how does he respond? Um, is he able to empathize? Is he able to label their feeling? Is he able to share how he's feeling inside when he gets upset? Um, hmm. I think when it's his fault that they're feeling sad, he knows how to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I did, you know, I didn't mean to, and he feels bad. Um, but, and he can, he can recognize when other people are feeling a certain way. Um, and he can also say how he's feeling. It's just very extreme the way that he expresses it. So. And what would that look like? Just for a general description, what would that look like? The extreme? Um, he gets really red in the face, teary-eyed, screams, um, you know, sometimes starts kind of throwing things around a little bit. And I mean, when he was little, this is this is one part that has improved a lot. But when he was little, he would hit a lot. And um, unfortunately, I was the victim of that sometimes and friends, you know, at things. Um, and I think at school, he doesn't know how to let out that steam um, sure. because sure. he's supposed to just sit there. And, um, and so the teacher doesn't know how to handle that. Um, uh, at that, that's one part that Mary Beth, your advice to me in the past has been really helpful of, listening to him and saying and telling him you feel this way and then just don't try to solve it for him. Just listen. Sure. And that yeah. has really been a helpful thing, but sometimes it's still, we forget or we, you know, it's such a small little thing. Like the other day he came home from, um, from an art class after school and he was having this kind of reaction about a little post-it note guy that he had created. It was like a little art thing that he made out of post-it notes and that it, somebody stole it and it was gone. And he was crying, you know, as if he had lost some teddy bear that he's had his entire life. You know, I mean, it was, that was how he was crying about it. And so sometimes it's hard to have sympathy when it's kind of like, Drew, you know, Drew, this is a, a post-it note, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, but yeah. it, you can't tell him that that wasn't important to him. That's right. That's right. And and, yeah. that, and that when you go back to, you know, when he, you, from the day he was born, you saw these big emotions. He had mm -hmm. big reactions to things. So this is not change. This is, this is just who he is and mm -hmm. how he, how he's chemically made and how his genetic makeup is. So he does have big emotions. He has big emotions and he also has big feelings about things. And, you know, it, it is, we, we look at like, oh, it's just, it's just this, but no, to them, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And so uh, we do have to, you know, allow him appropriately to express himself. He can't hurt others, can't hurt himself, uh, can't hurt things. Um, and, and, you know, if they do, then we pull them in, right? We, we help them through that. We stop the behavior. I'm going to help you right now, Drew. You're, um, you're really, this is really tough for you. I know you, you were very upset about losing this. It's missing. We have a mystery on our hands. We don't know where it is. You think someone took it. Um, maybe, maybe it, it might be somewhere and we could, you know, next time we go to the class or, or we could contact the teacher and ask about it, but it is a mystery right now. We don't know where it is. And that's really upsetting to you. Mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, 
from a parenting standpoint, that's what we have to do at that point. From a from a clinician standpoint, that's a big piece to look at too. Um, his able his ability to 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 regulate and to be able to process something and regulate it and, and move through it is something that by age nine we really, we really kind of want to see that behavior happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Dr. Jennifer, do you want to throw anything there too? Yes, and it seems like um, he has a a strong fight or flight response. And so he, when he's getting upset, he kind of goes into that, that fight and, um, you know, with these big emotions and then his lower brains disconnected from his upper brain. And it's harder for him to engage in that problem solving that Mary Beth just, um, discussed about how we're going to solve this and stop and think. And, um, a lot of that comes from the communication, be able to express, one, identify how he's feeling and express that to someone else in a calm manner because he's he's just reacting in the yeah. moment. And so starting to help slow that stress response. Yeah. Him. And that's, that's that frontal, frontal, front cortex that we're really talking about here. And then that, yes. that maturating part piece for, especially for a little boy. Um, and they, and that's all the executive functioning pieces that we look for um, happening. Um, so that's definitely something we need to, to kind of put on our, our radar for him and, mm-hmm. and uh, help you understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, can I just say one more thing about that situation where, when he came home, because we were talking about food earlier. Um, he, another thing is that it lasts a long time when he gets really upset, you know, he yeah. doesn't want to let it go. Yeah. And yeah. so he came home, he was upset about losing that thing. I, I gave him a hug and said, you know, I gave him some sympathy, said, I'm really sorry you lost that. And he continued to, and but I needed to get dinner on the table at that point. And sure, sure, um, yeah. so yeah. I got dinner on the table and we came to the table, we got him to come to the table, but he was still weeping about it. He yeah. was, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. he was very and, yeah. Yeah. and so my husband said, you know, if you still need to cry loudly about it, then why don't you go to your room for a little longer and then mm-hmm. come back and join us? Which normally I thought that was a good suggestion, except for I was going, I think he needs to get food in him right now. Yeah. And so he went to his room for a little bit, but in a few minutes later, I went and said, why don't you come eat some food and see how you feel? And he really didn't want to at first, but sure enough, as soon as he had eaten about half his meal, he was like a different person. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I mean, look what's happening in that little boy. I mean, there's, there's so much growth, right? Physical growth going on, mm-hmm. brain development going on, um, where we do have to be really cognizant of, uh, and what Dr. Never was saying, the diet, nutrition, um, really looking it's like, it's like when they were, um, you know, the 12 month old, 13 month old, when they learn to start uh, walking and getting up and moving. Yeah. They're doing all this new pieces of development. And we have to remember that we have to, um, be very cognizant of what they're eating and, and really in, in improving the, the diet of proteins and less carbs mm-hmm. and a real balanced um, minerals and vitamins and, mm-hmm. um, you know, aware of that for sure. Yeah. Um, and I do need to look out for him for that because he, I don't know if it's because of his, how focused he is on something when he's doing something, but he doesn't always 
say or recognize when he's hungry. He can go yeah. hours and I'm going, did you have a snack yet? Um, and, and that's so, his, int- his intense focus, uh, taking mm-hmm. the brain to that where he can't, he, he's not, he's not hearing and feeling the other pieces around him that his body's communicating to him. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a whole piece of his flight response. He doesn't, a- he's not able to take in all the cues around him appropriately to make that, that make to make, to make that change that he needs or to understand what he needs. And so, yeah, you have to be very, very aware of that um, and be on a really, really clear schedule. And um, especially of his nutrition, that, that's the one piece of many. Um, but, you know, that's, and that's a very common one when we're learning how to use the potty for the first time, that's the same piece. Uh, in the early years of learning to use the potty, it's that same. Mm-hmm. That yeah, same. and he'll, it, he'll still, even on that topic, He'll be talking and he'll kind of be getting fidgety and I'm, and all of a sudden he'll go, I have to go to the bathroom and run. <laughs> it's like, he just waits until it's yeah. an emergency. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that ability to really, to really interpret his body, and understand all those things is, is something for sure, which for sure we need to really work on and, and know a little bit more about him on that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, but on the diet, on the diet piece, I, my, my big piece, you know, whenever I hear anything with blood sugar levels and, and, and chemical, uh, processing of food is to really, really work with your pediatrician, um, or a di- a pediatric dietitian, um, to maybe get a good blood panel of him, um, and get a, a complete blood panel, really looking at the minerals and, and the nutrients and, and his iron and his vitamin D, um, and really do a thorough panel, um, to, to look at how his body's processing food. Um, mm-hmm. that's, I would definitely go that route at this point. Um, and then maybe, maybe work with a, a pediatric dietitian, um, just to kind of create some meal plans for him, um, mm-hmm. looking at the results from that, but also knowing, um, you know, he's a, he, he needs a lot of really high protein, um, high fiber, high, uh, nutritional food at a very short amount of time because, we got to get it in him quick. And especially during at school time, he's going to have to be able to eat quickly because schools don't allow a lot of time for nutrition time. Yeah, uh, food. exactly. And mm-hmm. so it has to be a really quick, quick, quick amount of food. Um, that's going to um, give him that, that uh, blood sugar and nutrition that he needs to get through another three hours of school. Right. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately we resort because I know he doesn't have a lot of time. So we resort to PB and J and, like an applesauce pack, you know, well, that's, and that's probably, that's, I don't know. If that's, that's, not a, that's not a horrible, I mean, that's a lot, yeah. a lot of things I hear that people, eat. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's getting away from the, the, I'm going to use a generic term, but the fish crackers and, and that type of stuff right. you know, as the main supple, you know, supplement for children because that's mm-hmm. what they love and it's fat. So what, what you're feeding is actually a really good mix of what he needs. Um, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I would definitely keep an eye on that and and, yeah. and help him help him start learning a lot about his body um, in the sense of nutrition and putting uh, putting a lot of value on educating them all your children about mm-hmm. uh, how food affects um, a- our body and also how food um, you know our stomach is a really important piece of our body and what we put in there the neurotoxins um, the the healthy foods the processing, you know, the time that we eat is really important um, for the development and under, and balancing of our bodies. So that's a. Yeah. 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 Um, and not to move on too quickly, but what the school is telling me is the next step before sure. they do uh, any real thorough testing. Um, 
they are going to have his teacher go to a support team where they brainstorm ideas and, you know, teachers can come with telling about a specific student and the issues that they're having. And they work together to come up with some ideas of things that they can do and they implement implement that. And some of those things could be like motor breaks or, um, you know, maybe even something like what I'm suggesting, uh, stopping to have a little snack. Um, or they have social groups that they meet with where students um, meet with the school psychologist and they practice social skills, which mm-hmm. I think would mm-hmm. be yeah. Really helpful. That would be great. Yeah. Um, so that's what's what the next step is going to be. And then they work on those for six weeks and they see if there's improvement in the student. Okay. Sounds and yeah. yeah. And if there is improvement, then they just keep doing that. Um, and if it's still a problem, then they look into doing an assessment. Um, and um, at this point, since it's going to be six weeks of, you know, after she meets with the group, it'll be the end of the year by the time. Um, so if he does have an assessment, it won't happen until fourth grade at the beginning. Um, but, but the, she also told me, you know, you could still also do, cause they won't give, even with an assessment, they won't give a diagnosis that goes through a medical doctor. So she said, if, if I go to the doctor, the, the doctor can have the teachers, um, fill out, um, whatever they call it, assessments or information sure. Sure. Um, so that he has that perspective from the so, teacher's perspective. Perfect. So be, if we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Dr. Jennifer the stage here in just a second because I really want her to educate um, everybody, especially you, on this process of assessments. But before we do that, I really want you to, to remember your advocacy role. And I know you're an advocate for your children and for your child. Mm-hmm. Um, is take this information that we've talked about today, um, the different techniques that could be very, very easily implemented into this child's day, um, especially at school, you know, the taking, you know, allowing him to have the, a, a few breaks. And it may not always be food breaks. He might need to, during that math time that seems so redundant, he might need just to go and go to the back of the classroom and get a whiteboard and do his math standing up or mm-hmm. do his whatever he's doing standing up or um, a technique that I love to use for children who just need to get up and move or just feel like they've um, are just feeling a little bit, um, you know, usually he's saying I'm bored. It's so, re- it's so repetitive. His body's telling him I need to do something. I need to do something. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't process anymore. I'm just, it's, I'm over. I'm done. I'm, <laughs> I'm done at this moment. So, you know, going back to the back of the classroom or, or sending them out, having the teachers take a note to another teacher and the note could just be, this is a note. Send send the child back and just just to get out to go for a walk, go to the office, um, mm-hmm. or in the back of the classroom, move books uh, or reorganize the library. That would be. I know Drew loves books. That might be a good thing that he could do in the library. Is you know, Drew, can you go back and 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 kind of clean up the bookshelf and reorganize them? I know he would love that. I know I mm. I've seen Drew in action. I know he he would. Love mm-hmm. But so be an advocate. So take take this information that we're talking about today go back to the school and say, you know, these are the things I'm going to look at. I'm going to work on getting um, his blood work done, really looking at his nutrition, looking at all these little factors that we kind of talked about today. And these are the things I'm going to be working on at home. Um, these are the things I think that if we could, if we could um, kind of bring light to them at school of, um, you know, giving him the breaks, giving his nutrition and his blood sugar up, um, 
uh, and giving him the, the, the going to see the, the psychologist about learning about social skills. Those are really all good advocacy pieces. So mm-hmm. on that note, I'm going to throw it over to Dr. Jennifer um, so she can give um, her, her, uh, her tidbit of why I wanted her here today for this, for this session um, of what she does best. So Dr. Jennifer, it's all yours. Well, thank you. And um, so to, to answer your question is a school assessment versus uh, maybe a private assessment. And, you know, school assessments, um, you know, teachers are the, the front lines of identifying certain behaviors. However, they, they cannot provide a diagnosis. Um, even the school psychologist um, they can just kind of say, you know, these are the symptoms that we're seeing, and we, because of this, it seems to match this, and so we'll have um, accommodations and and have a maybe an IEP. Um, the benefit of having a private assessment is the psychologist can give a comprehensive evaluation. And so we can look at their cognitive abilities and match that with any academics and to see if there's any learning challenges and um, to kind of rule in or rule rule out um, anything to do with the learning. Um, Can I ask one quick question, a clarifying question about what you're saying? Um, So you're saying if you had a private, um, an assessment from a medical doctor and had the diagnosis, then the school psychologist can give a comprehensive assessment. Is that what you're saying? Or not quite. And so, okay. the psychologist, a private psychologist, will be able to do the comprehensive evaluation, and oh, okay. by having that, by having that first, um, you can provide that to the school, and the school can can they'll still do some testing, but also determine um, and working with the psychologist of and you about the best accommodations needed to help to help the child. Okay. Um, the, Got the it. School. So you're talking about private psychologists, not the school psychologists. Yes. Okay. And so, yeah, the schools, they, um, they kind of do more of the screening and, you know, lots of questionnaires and helpful information. However, it's not, um, in depth. Um, and so a lot of, and, oh, and, and can I throw in too, uh, what, we had, what I always tell parents is, um, you know, the, the school really is focusing on the academic performance of the child. And when we see these behaviors outside of the school, um, in, in our home, and from the day the child was born, we want to get a really good picture of the child um, from a fully developmental um, maturation standpoint. Um, and this is a great time, I think, developmentally in this child's life. Um, Dr. Neff, I don't know if you agree, you know, this eight, eight, nine years old, it's a really good time to, to look at these pieces because this is when you are going to see that brain development come to a point where we can, we can really hone in on what's going on emotionally, uh, psychologically, um, cognitively, academically, everything. Um, so that's, that's my, that's my two cents. <laughs> yes, no, and I agree. And, um, I know you had this testing or had testing done when he was five mm-hmm. and, um, Mary Beth, to, to your point, a lot of development ha- has occurred between him yes. being five and nine, and we can kind of look then at the at the norms. And so maybe um, when he was five, it, he was at age development, even though um, he was still having some of these challenges. And he, it seems like he's kind of, um, although he has made certain progress, um, he's still getting. Um, 
it gets not to where we would want him to be because he's still having these emotional challenges and and some anxiety and the strong fight or flight response. And so mm-hmm. I agree, testing might show um, a different picture, and, mm-hmm. and in a way, it can really show how, where we can target um, the intervention and the therapy and to kind of help him communicate more about his thoughts and feelings. And so he's not having such a reactive um, kind of meltdowns. Yeah. yeah. And a friend of mine was telling me um, who has, she, her son is autistic. And she was telling me that when a child has a diagnosis, they, they re test every, I don't know how often, three every, years every, or something. Every two years, two years. Every it's two usually years. with the school district. Um, but yes, mm-hmm. Dr. Jennifer, you're right. It's about every two years. Every, well, I, I think it is every four. I'm sorry. It is every four years, right? So I, for the test, and if they have an IEP, they have a triannual, which would be every three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with uh, looking at cognitive and academics, we recommend uh, an evaluation from every two to three years. Yeah. 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 So I figure, is- you know, just because he wasn't diagnosed with something, it would be a good idea to re evaluate. Um, I, I, yes, I, I, yeah. I, th- I, I'm saying that I think Dr. Jennifer, are you, are you concurring on this at this time? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Especially since he's still having these yes. reactions. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this and, has been a great discussion. We do have to end here very soon. Um, is there any last minute thoughts from, from, and we could, I, I think the three of us could sit here and talk about this for quite a long time because this is a very <laughs> important discussion and I'm, I'm so thankful that, uh, Julie, you have uh, been courageous enough to, to bring it to the forefront. And Dr. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here um, to give your insight. And we're going to put a link at the bottom of our podcast uh, with Dr. Jennifer's information. Um, she's local. She's in Pasadena, California. So, um, you know, I, I, I love working with her. And, um, and Julie, I hope we can do a follow-up maybe in a couple months uh, to mm-hmm. see um, how things are going. And we'd love to, to have that next chapter. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Oh, my, our pleasure. Thank you. Everyday Parenting is produced by me, Teresa Wang. The music you hear in our podcast is courtesy of the Emmy Award-winning artist Stephen Morell. If you have a question for Mary Beth and the Everyday Parenting podcast community, please join us on our Facebook group. Just search for Everyday Parenting Group on Facebook. Don't miss our next episode. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Also, please take the time out to find us and rate us on iTunes.